Good morning, family. You there? All right, good, good. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Matthew chapter 6. We're right smack in the middle in a series on learning how to pray, and we're going verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer. And today we are on the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Anyone know what that is, by the way? That's right. Give us our day, our daily bread. That's where we're at. And so uh, the worship team is actually going to read that for us this morning. And then we're going to pray and get right into the message. Sound good? Okay, great. Pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. And before we pray, I just want to share something with you guys. About a week ago, a week and a half ago, the elders, we all gathered together to pray. That's all we did. We didn't even have any conversations. We didn't discuss anything. For an hour and a half, we prayed. We prayed for you. We prayed for our church, and we laid before the Lord, Lord, tell us, what do you want to do at Crossway? Where are you leading Crossway? We prayed for the board. We prayed for one another. We prayed, Lord, these guys are saying, Lord, is there anything in us that you want to change? Is there any sin that we need to repent of? Is there any weakness that you want us to strengthen? Is there anything that we need to change? And we prayed for one another. These guys, you guys have some great elders. I just want to let you know that. Okay? And we also prayed for you. We prayed for, we prayed for you by name, all right? We didn't have any discussions. We didn't have any conversations for 90 minutes. With a big piece of paper, we put it up here and a magic marker, and we just wrote stuff down, and all we did was pray, guys, and we just put it before the Lord. And I just want to let you guys know that, because you may not have known that <laughs> if I didn't tell you, but, but we want to obey the Bible, all right? We want to be leaders of the church that are obeying God's word, Okay? And, and this isn't just a series for us just to learn something. We're trying to act on that and obey him. I want you to know that, right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another day that we get to worship your name. Because your name is great. Your name's gorgeous, and it's holy and beautiful, and we love you. You're worthy of all praise and honor. We thank you, God, that you... Teach us to pray. Lord, you teach us to pray for our daily bread every day. And you know what we need, and you supply everything that we need. And God, I pray that today, through your word, you would speak, God, that the only one anyone would be responding to is Jesus and the word of the Lord. So, Lord God, would you do that today? Would you challenge us where we need to be challenged? And would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? And we look to you for all that we need because you're a great supplier. We love you for it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So have you noticed that there is a real actual cost of living? Like not the phrase, there's a cost of living like money. Have you, have you felt this real cost of living in your life lately? I definitely have. We need a lot of things, don't we, to live. We need nourishing food, with food, uh, with uh, vitamins, with minerals, nutritional food to live every single day. We need a constant supply of fresh water every day to live. We need these things. We need clothing. We need shoes to protect our bodies. If we have children, then we need to double that or maybe triple that, the amount of food and clothing that we need. 
And unless we're a duck, we need shelter. So we're not constantly exposed to the elements, right? We need this. We need adequate sleep. Every single day, we need adequate sleep. It's not like you can store that up. Have you noticed that? Or our minds don't work properly. We can't make decisions that are great. Our body won't repair if we don't get sleep every single day, adequate amount. We need income to pay our bills and pay our taxes. We need jobs in order to have said income. And we need a certain amount of education and skill to work that job and keep that job that gives us that income to pay those bills. And we need reliable transportation to get us to and from our workplace, whether that's a bicycle or just our feet. And we need regular exercise to keep our muscles strong so our hearts can pump and so we can be less susceptible to injury and illness. We need access to medicines and doctors and health care when we're sick. We need these things to live, to survive. And we need a caring support system of people to keep us going when things do break and break down. We need these things. All of us, by nature, are needy people. I'm sorry if I busted your bubble. You're a needy person. You really are. I don't care how big a boy you are. You're a needy person. Did anyone like get stressed out as I went through those lists? That was a short list, by the way. I could have kept going. We feel this, that we have real, authentic Needs and, and as we face these needs, there's this lurking fear that they won't be met unless we do something about it because they're daily needs. They just keep coming, right? And so what do we do? We try to calm our fears by making plans to meet those needs. So we plan to work longer hours. We make career changes. We search out a more lucrative uh, retirement plan. Uh, we uh, put in place emergency funds and emergency plans just in case because you never know. You never know what might happen. But you know, sometimes our plans are an attempt to replace God. They really are. I mean, maybe you haven't said that out loud, but have you ever thought that if you could plan things just right, you wouldn't need to worry about the future because you wouldn't be a needy person? I have. I'm guessing maybe you have too. What Jesus teaches us here about prayer in this verse is to ask God to actually shape us into people that rely on Him. This prayer is actually several things. It's really an admission and a confession and a belief. And that's what I want to talk about today. In this prayer, we need to admit that our daily needs will outpace our means. Our daily needs will outpace our means. Here's the deal. God works through means. His water runs through pipes that people have laid to quench our thirst. That's what I mean by that. His bread, God's bread, travels on trucks to get to our tables. His healing is applied through the hands of skilled doctors and nurses predominantly. By the way, that's why all work that's patterned after God's work is godly work. It's good work. You do that kind of work, you're doing God's work. But that's another sermon for another day. My point is that God works through means. Here's the problem. Day after day, year after year that we live on this planet, we confuse the means of God's provisions with the source of God's provisions. And what happens is that we slowly start believing that we are the ones that satisfy our daily needs. 
Because we're constantly interacting with these channels that supply our daily needs, we start seeing them, and we start seeing ourselves as the source for all that we need. And we can start placing our trust in those things to take care of us, instead of in God to take care of us. It just happens. You can't use these channels of means without that slowly starting to affect how you think about God and yourself. It's wisdom to get an education and to go as high as you are able. But guess what? That doesn't guarantee you a good job. And it doesn't guarantee you a good life. More likely, not guaranteed. It's wisdom, real wisdom, to have six months savings stored up in your bank account. That's a good, wise thing to do. But guess what? It takes one phone call to wipe that out. You know that? Some of you may have experienced that. It takes one fire to wipe that out. It's not a guarantee. On-the-job experience and tribal knowledge in your particular vocation is a very valuable asset. But the fact is that life changes and experience can get outdated. That's why always, your boss is always telling you, go to this class, go to this course, go to this conference, Right? At some point, you will come to the end of what you have personally experienced in life. Because experience, as great as it is, by nature is limited. It's limited to you, what you know, what you've encountered. You come to the end of what you personally have experienced, and then you won't know what to do. You just have to make a really good guess. And by the way, this works for parenting too. (laughs) I don't know. I've never run into that before. I'm going to make a really good guess and hope I'm right. Listen, it is a good thing for us to be somewhat self-reliant. We should know how to bathe ourselves, okay? If you're a grown-up, you should know how to bathe yourself, right? You should know how to take care of yourself, feed yourself, clothe yourself, provide for yourself. This is a good thing. But what happens is we have a tendency to raise our abilities and our knowledge to the level of God. This is what takes care of us. So it's good, So that you're not a drain on your family and a drain on your neighbors. But it can be raised to the level of God. What I know and what I am able to do will take care of me and us. I take care of myself. You know what? I got this. I'm fine. I got myself into this mess and I can get myself out of this. Just give me some time. Don't we think that way? Don't we talk that way? In order for us to be a people that rely on God, we need to admit that. We need to admit that we can't always be one step ahead of life. At some point, our daily needs will outpace our means. Can you admit that to yourself? Not to me, but to yourself? Because that's like step one. This prayer today that God would give us our daily bread is not just an admission that we can't always meet our needs, but it is a confession about God as well. We're confessing that God alone is our source for our needs. The phrase for daily bread is interesting uh, to translate because there's some kind of weird words that aren't used anywhere else in the Bible. It It's interesting because it can have the meaning of bread for tomorrow. Or it can mean bread for today. Which is very interesting to me. I like this. It's kind of cool to me. Because what it does is it kind of leaves a little room for us to understand this as something that we pray throughout the day. Like, 
did you know, family, that Jesus wants you to pray more than once a day? Do you know that? Like you have any time minutes, like you have rollover minutes with him? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like he wants you to pray throughout the day, every day. You don't have, there's not a ceiling. You guys know that, right? I think that's the way he says this. In the morning, we can pray for all that we need for the day. Wake up, Lord, give me everything that I need for this day. We go to bed at night, and we say, Lord, pray for everything that I'm going to need tomorrow for that next 24 hours. Because I'm going to wake up the same way I went to bed, needy. <laughs> this is the pattern, guys. This is the rhythm. This is not an anomaly. This is the rhythm of prayer life. The point of this phrase is that we should live more dependent on the Lord and we should ask Him to supply our physical needs each and every day. Now, that sounds oppressive to the modern mind, that we would believe that and hold to that, to the modern mind that just values independence and I'm going to just take care of myself. What an oppressive thing for Jesus to do, to teach us to be more reliant on God and less reliant on ourselves. But it's actually... A very liberating thing. Here is what Jesus is inviting us to do through praying this prayer every day. He is, listen, he's liberating us from a life filled with anxiety about the future. Let me say that again. He is liberating us from a life filled with anxiety about the future. Now, how is he doing that through this prayer? Well, anxiety and worry, they are emotions, if you haven't noticed, that love to live in the future. They're always trying to be prophets and predict the future. Here's the problem. I'm not a prophet. Right? Or as the late, great Yogi Berra once said, I don't like making predictions, especially about the future. The truth is that I'm really bad at knowing for certain what's going to happen in December of 2016. Like, I don't have that figured out. I don't know for certain how that's going to work out. I have general plans. I have an educated guess if everything stays constant of how things might go in my life by that point. But I don't have anything that resembles certainty that far down the road. Matter of fact, I can't even see into Friday from my vantage point today. I can't. Here's what I'm fairly certain of today. Like the next 24 hours, I've got a pretty good handle on on that. And because of that, that is about as far into the future that Jesus wants us to live. Not plan or look. Yeah, plan and look. Yeah, live. Okay, are you tracking with me? Because of that natural limitation he's put on us, that's as far as he wants us to live into the future. Family, I want to be honest with you. I try to be honest every week like this is a big surprise, but I struggled with this truth this very week. Early in the week, my week is just like got really booked up. And the next week, all booked up, all of a sudden. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to fit everything in? And if I do fit it in, am I going to be ready? Am I going to do well in what I need to do? Or not so well? I'm getting kind of anxious. So i got stuff on the calendar. How's this going to turn out? And I come and I talk. Vanessa comes up and talks to me. She goes, Chad, what do you need to do tomorrow? Okay. Because I'm pretty sure about 
the next 24 hours. That's what I'm certain of. That's what I know. It was like, it was like what Jesus is saying. It just completely refocused how I was living my life. What's the next step? That's all we're guaranteed. Here's something else that's really interesting about this concept, this, this concept of asking for daily bread. There had to be some bells going off in the Jewish people that were listening to Jesus teach that day. Because this is a callback to the Exodus. This is a callback to those, the days of manna. If you don't know what manna is, manna is bread that God makes <laughs> without an oven, apparently. He makes this bread fresh, and he gives it to his people. It's a callback to where he provided for Israel in the wilderness. Listen to Deuteronomy 8. This is Moses talking. Moses says, and he wants to remind them of something, okay? So they don't forget. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord God, Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you know hunger and, get this, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, here's why, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Moses, who speaks for God himself, says to the Israelites, God fed you with manna every day. Don't forget that. God fed you with daily bread every day, and he wouldn't let you store any of it tomorrow. Remember that? Remember that little thing? And they're going, yeah, we remember that. And he kept doing this for you every single day for 40 years. Now, why? I'm thinking, why? What did he want to, as it says, make them know for certain when he did this? He tells us that they may know that they don't live by bread alone. That's why he gave them the bread? That's interesting. God didn't let his people store up the food in the wilderness, but he fed them bread every day so that they would know they don't live by bread. Right? I'm going to give you bread every day. Why? So you know that you don't live by this bread. But by me. I'm your source, and that's why I'm doing it this way. He's liberating us from a life of anxiety that focuses on the future. So here's Jesus, and he speaks for God himself. And he's telling his followers, God provides for the needs of his people each day as they depend on him. God hasn't changed one bit. So ask him for what you need every day. Use those moments of asking to remember that we don't live by bread alone. Here I am, Lord, I'm asking again for what you already know that I need. But you're wanting me You're making me know for certain that it's not what I need that makes me live. That you're the God who knows me and you care about me and you know my future. Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, puts it this way in James 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. That sounds like manna talk to me. Comes from 
You're coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything good comes from God, guys. There is no other source of goodness. What good thing do you need? It only comes from God. And he gives perfect gifts. I've said this before. One of the signs that you have been given a good gift is when you open, you say, oh, that's just what I needed. We we were needing one of those. Thank you. That's a sign of a perfect gift. Everything that you need tomorrow, the Father will provide. And although it may not be what you were hoping for, it will be exactly what you need. It will be perfect. This is the word of the Lord. This is great, isn't it? I want to I uh, address something real quick before we move on. Because... I have these questions that roll around the back of my head, all right, when I, when I study the scripture, I think. And the sermon isn't, a, the passage isn't about that, so I'm going to burn like 30 seconds on it and move on, all right? We're going to address it and, and then go, all right? So here's a question. What happens if God doesn't provide my needs for tomorrow, like food and water and shelter and health, right? So anybody like me, you have like a black belt and worry? Anybody? <laughs> like, hi-yah, I beat you, all right? If you worry, I beat you, all right? And God's working on me on that. But I think like this. It's great. It's a promise. It's good. Every day you'll give it to me. But what, but what if you don't? But what if you don't? What if he doesn't give me the essentials that I need to live for tomorrow? Because let's be honest, that happens sometimes. Doesn't it? Yes, it does. We know that happens. If God doesn't supply you with food or drink or shelter or health, what happens? You will die. That's why they're called needs. Not once. They're real important. (laughs) That's the definition of a need. So two short answers to that one really big question. All right? First of all, this promise that God will supply our daily needs is only given to those that are believers in Christ. Okay? It's not a promise that's extended to all people, but those that have put their faith and their trust in the Lord. So, we narrowed it down a little bit. But, what does that mean for the believers who ask for those things and end up dying? Well, here's what it means. It means you didn't need it anymore. It means you didn't need it anymore. That's what it means. God will provide for your daily needs until he decides, hey, you don't need it anymore. I'm God, I decide you don't need that anymore. So here's what this means. You will live with him forever. So while we're here, get this, guys, we are assured that he'll provide for all of our needs until the day that we no longer have those needs, but we are forever satisfied with him. Isn't that great? I know that's probably not what you wanted to hear, but that's a warm blanket. That will comfort you, okay? So, let's get back. Ask him for what you need, and don't be anxious about tomorrow. Stop it. (laughs) I love you. Quit. (laughs) Quit doing that. In order for us to do that, though, I know it's easy to say, guys, and it's really hard to do. 
Because needs are needs, and they're big, and they're important. I get that. So there's something else that we need. There's something, actually, that we must believe. Because you can't do this, right, Karen? You just, like, can't muster this up to do this yourself, right? You need God's grace, am I right? You need a power outside of yourself. We need to believe that God wants to supply our needs. If we're going to have faith in God. Listen, just because it's true that God can supply our needs, that doesn't necessarily mean he wants to. Just because he can, that doesn't logically follow that he will. It just means he's able to do it. Just because God is the source of life doesn't mean he's willing to be our source of life, necessarily. I mean, what would make God want to answer our prayers? We rebel against God every day, don't we? I mean, we kind of do that daily. We, we put our trust in creation, the means, and exchange that for putting our trust in the Creator every day, don't we? That's kind of offensive to Him. When push comes to shove, we're going to rely on ourselves. And deep down inside, we wonder, what would make God want to answer our prayers for bread every day? And you especially feel that when you have needs. The short answer is this. Nothing in you makes God want to answer your prayers. But it's something in Him. And that's good news for bad people. That should make you want to smile. It's that good. Remember how Jesus framed this entire prayer? His prayers to our Father in Heaven. That's how we started this out. It's to our Father in heaven. In just the Sermon on the Mount alone, Jesus refers to God as Father an incredible 17 times. A count of them. That's a lot in just a few chapters. Rarely would anyone call God his Father. If ever, I, I, don't, I don't know that anyone had up to this point. And rarely would God referred himself as his father. I think there's a couple, maybe three or four, a handful of times that he's done that. Jesus says it an unprecedented 17 times just in the Sermon on the, on the Mount. He's trying to tell us something. You see, on this mountain, Jesus has opened up to us a new way for his people to understand and to relate to God. Through Jesus God is not merely our Savior, merely our Shepherd, or our King, or our Creator. He is all those things, but hey, He's our Father, and He's our Heavenly. That means He's our perfect Father. He's the Dad you never had. Because of Christ, we share the same relationship with God that He had since before time began. He gifted that to you and I. Now think about that. God as our Father means a couple of things for us. It means that God is approachable. God's approachable. The creator of the universe and sustainer of all life forms at this moment while we're sitting in this room is your Father. He's given you access to Him. A few weeks ago, I was in bed, minding my own business, sleeping. 
Very well, I might add. Very soundly, I might add. It's early in the morning. It's dark outside. I mean, just pitch black outside. I think it was like maybe five in the five in the morning, and I'm just sawing logs, okay? I'm tired. And my son comes in. I didn't ask him to come in. He didn't knock to come in. He just came in our room, the middle of the night, basically. And, and he decides to come in the room and climbs up in the bed with me with all the grace of a rhinoceros, and he takes his skull, and he smashes his skull against my skull, like this, face to face, breath to breath, Dad, Dad, I'm trying to find out if, if you could play with me um, because no one's up yet. Dad, would you pray, play with me? I thought maybe he might have said pray with me. That could have been... <laughs> no, he wants me to play with him. You talk about making your request known. <laughs> Only a son could get away with doing that. Only a son could get away with waking me up like that and making that kind of a request known to me. I mean, anybody else comes in my house and comes in my room like that, I'm out of bed going, what's going on? What are you doing here? But you know why Solomon could do that? Because he knew he had access. He knew he had access to me. Day or night. Are you getting this? He knows I'm his father. I'm not some just some guy. I'm not just some guy with money. I'm his father. You have that kind of access to the father. Not because of anything you did. But because of everything Jesus did. And you need to believe that before you pray. You know what this means? It means that God is generous and not stingy. Later in Matthew, Jesus says this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The birds find their food. They don't make their food. That's what Jesus is saying. They don't make their food. They find their food. They just hope it's out there, lying around for them to find. They don't do anything that earns them food for the day, yet God chooses to feed them. He gives them gifts. It's gifts. Now, if God would do that for just some nameless, faceless birds that don't even work for a living, you think he'd do that for you? You think he'd do that for me? Yeah. Jesus is using logic to help calm our anxieties. Yeah, he'd do that. The Father would do that for you. He's not a stingy God. open. If you believe in a stingy God, you need to change your God, okay? He's your Father and He loves you. This is who we're praying to. It's no small detail that we are to ask God to give us our daily bread, not sell us our daily bread. 
Everyone else is going to sell you what you desperately need to survive. God says, ask me, I'll give you what you need. And he's the only one who does that. Crossway? It's remarkable. James says, remember, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. They're gifts. Our Heavenly Father gives gifts. He's a generous Father. This is what we must believe when we pray, when we approach Him. He will give us what we need for tomorrow. Maybe not for the week, maybe not for the year, but He will give us what we need for tomorrow. And so we ask, and we approach Him in faith. We approach Him in faith, not doubting. Ask Him for what you haven't earned. And that's what grace is, after all, isn't it? It's getting what you don't deserve. So ask Him for what you need. Your Father will not send you away ashamed. He won't say, get out of here, I'm busy, kid. He'll say, I'm up. What do you need? I'm here. What do you need? He won't turn you away ashamed, and he won't turn you away empty-handed. He'll give you what you need till you don't need it anymore. And that's pretty awesome. But this is our God. This is our God. This is his word. This is what we believe. Amen? And then we pray. So pray like this, Jesus says. Pray like this. I love you guys. I want to pray for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. I thank you that you're here in this room, that you are moving in our hearts. I thank you that you give us our daily bread and you don't sell it to us. Oh God, I just pray for faith. I pray that you would cause us to believe in your word. It's, it's not that we need to know more about you. It's that we need to believe it, frankly, more. <laughs> so help every heart here believe what you've said. Uh, change your hearts as, uh, our hearts as you see fit. And uh, Lord, we just want to praise you. Everything that we need that you're going to take care of tomorrow. And we can breathe in and we can breathe out and we can rejoice in your name that you love your children and we love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.